condition, illness, or disease. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for mental health treatment. Should you or a loved one require further assistance, please seek out a licensed professional. Welcome back to Tales from the Chair. I'm Carlos Cardenas. Let's have a go at it. Today's episode, man, are you for real? So every so often, someone's going to come into my office where I really don't know what their angle is. Or better yet, I don't really know if they understand that they are a parody of a real person. Because sometimes people come in and act in a way where it feels like There is no way that this person can be serious because sometimes you have to be so disassociated with what is going on around you to somehow think that what you're saying or what you're doing is absolutely okay. So today's episode is going to center around some of those instances that I've come across. Now, this isn't necessarily a story omnibus episode because there is a through line of people basically providing scenarios that... Under normal circumstances, most people would see how ridiculous what they're saying or what they're doing is. But for some reason, these folks came in and thought, yeah, yeah, this is perfectly normal. I can say this out loud. This is not strange at all. So sit back and enjoy. I have three stories today that are going to dive right into some of these instances I've come across. So for starters... Have you ever talked about infidelity with someone and someone makes the very passive but poignant joke of, okay, how do you really accidentally cheat on someone? It's not like the girl slipped into the guy. Like you can't just accidentally engage in cheating. But what if I told you that someone actually walked into my office and actually used that as a valid reason? why they cheated on their partner. Because that was what was going through my mind while they were telling me this story. There is no way that you actually believe what you are saying or want to convey it in a way where you get somebody else to believe you. But there I was, in the middle of COVID, talking to someone via Zoom. And the reason why they came in to see me was because they wanted to find a way to help their partner understand that when they cheated two months prior, it was purely by accident, that they didn't have any intention, that they didn't even participate in the act, that it was as accidental as slipping on a banana peel. So according to this guy, it all starts with a conflict he has with his spouse. They get into a fight, and rather than try to address the argument or try to solve it, The guy storms out and goes to see a friend who promptly suggests to him, hey, let's go have a drink at the pub. So there they go. And my client is drinking, having fun, and some mutual friends arrive, one of which being this female that they all knew. And they get a talking, the drinks get a flowing, and my client gets to the point of intoxication. And at this point, He describes to me 
that he was shamed to come back home in such an inebriated state. So, what happens next? His gracious friend suggests, hey, go with this girl. She doesn't have a roommate this weekend. She'll give you a room and board. Tell your wife, you know, that you don't want to see her for the rest of the night and just sleep it off. So he listens to the friend and apparently the girl is totally cool with just having people come on over and hang out with them. So the night continues. He goes to the lady's house and he tries to get a good night's rest. Now, this is a good moment for me to pause the story and point out that he is telling me all of this for no reason whatsoever. I don't know if he was trying to convince me. I don't know if he was trying to convince himself. But none of the things that I've talked about up until this moment or what I'm about to say really matter. Because he came in not to deal with the trauma of the night or in order to better understand what happened. He wanted to find a way to convey it to his wife that what happened was real, except he also didn't want to talk about it. So it was really more about kind of reconciling with his wife. So again, as you could see, it doesn't really make sense why all of this information is being given to me. But back to the story we go. He tries to sleep off his inebriation, tosses and turns, take a shower or two or whatnot. And meanwhile, he tells me about how much of a gracious host this girl friend was. Like, she made him some food, she got him some aspirin. Um, yeah, sure, I guess he was a great host. So he goes to the bed and is having trouble. And the way he said it is that she heard him and came over to make sure that he was okay. And she said to him, like, oh, well, maybe your clothes is the problem. So he's like, oh, you think so? And and again, like, he, I, I, I don't know why any of this is happening, but whatever. Uh, so he agrees to take his clothes off. And she's like, oh, well, you know, now you took your clothes off. This is, again, the story he's telling me. Uh, you know, maybe you're you're too cold now maybe i should be here to warm you up i'll get you some blankets i'll, I'll lie with you and he's like oh yeah, yeah sure um so she proceeds to lie with him and is like oh geez well now i'm too warm like i'm gonna take my clothes off and no signal flares whatsoever in this story conveying it to me that everything about it is wrong and so how do you get to accidentally slipping in well he goes on to tell me that she didn't like sleeping on the left side of the bed. I I, I kid you not. So uh, I guess she decided to sleep alongside him at this point because, of course, why, why wouldn't you? And so she didn't like sleeping on the left side of the bed. So she wanted to go over to the right side. So she lifted herself up and across him and apparently... Uh, according to him, like he sleeps with an erection and she was going over him and just accidentally just kind of slid in like a Lego piece, just fitting into another piece. And they were just lying there kind of perplexed and amused and that she tried to get off, but like then kept on slipping in and then on her and off her and away we go. And they had relations. And this is how he accidentally had a one-night stand by virtue of not actually wanting to, neither of them wanted to, but I guess you kind of slip into the situation and 
that's about it. And I've given stats about one night stands and this probably is just a stat breaker because this has never ever happened before. And in conclusion, I, I wasn't going I wasn't buying the story, nor was I going to convey it to his wife that that, that was a very plausible story. So the work kind of ended without any kind of solution because unfortunately it's really hard to sell that your husband who cheated on you that's not under debate did so not by virtue of any nefarious reasons but purely by accident and and by the way like we'll casually also ignore the drinking the refusing to go home the purposeful lying all of that stuff it's like this was really an accident it was no big deal so there you go that's a are you for real moment Now, in this being basically another episode about stories, you thought that I would not give you any stats and you would elude my gaze when it came to being able to provide some data in these kind of episodes. But I'm about to throw some fun facts to you because I have a story that relates to this. So did you know that in the United States, there are about 10,000 marriages that occur via mail order brides? You know, ladies that, well, mostly ladies, but ladies that come from mail-order bride websites and whatnot, actively the highest rate comes from Thailand, followed by the Philippines, Russia, Ukraine, China, and Vietnam. Basically, you go on these websites, these agencies show you these ladies that are over there, you bring them on over, you see that if it works, and you get married, they get citizenship, you get a lady, everything is kosher. Here's a fun little fact about this. The divorce rate on these mail-order bride marriages is one out of five that's split up. Apparently, ordering a bride from another country, someone who probably doesn't know the language, and is completely just coming here for papers and whatnot has a higher success rate than people that get married, you know, for love or legitimate reasons here in the United States. That's that's wild. And, you know, you could probably dig into probably the power dynamic and all the things that would make the woman stay or the guy stay with the woman and whatnot. But pretty impressive that it's a 20% divorce rate. Now, there's a few more stats to kind of take into account. The men that generally order women from these sites are between the ages of 30 to 60, and apparently their annual income usually hovers around 100000 The women, on the other hand, are coming in the age range of about 18 to 35, and I don't need to explain the dynamics of why people would do this and whatnot, but that is important information for what we're going to talk about. So during the pandemic, it was a very difficult time for a lot of people, especially for single people. And I was working with someone who unfortunately had the misfortune of not only a very poor dating history, but just was having a lot of trouble with being able to initiate any kind of conversations with women in friendly, intimate, or any kind of matter. And we were working on managing how to talk to women and how to be able to be more uh, outgoing and manage his anxiety. But one day, after we had a good session, he kind of rang me up and asked me for a follow-up session. And I thought that was curious, but 
I'm at the disposal of people. So we went ahead and had a, another meeting. The first meeting was about being able to go up to people and just spark up casual conversation. You know, don't go up to them and, and accost them or be incredibly aggressive or assertive. Just simply make conversation. Practice your vocal skills. No big deal. It's a social skill that we were working on. It wasn't supposed to be anything. But he told me that he was very overwhelmed by that. And he had the thought of, why even go through all this effort? Maybe I can just order a bride from a country maybe in Asia. And and I just immediately, I whether I broke character or I was still a therapist in that point, I just kind of flatly told the guy, no, this is a bad idea. He's like, no, 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 no. This is this is for the best. I can just order a bride and then everything is going to be okay. I'm going to be able to have someone. I'm going to be not a virgin anymore. This is going to work out great. I'm like, okay, you don't even know how to talk to people. You feel anxiety. You seem to only be wanting to do this for sex. Like, this is a bad idea. You really shouldn't do this. And I don't think you've thought it through. And he went on to say he had been thinking it through a lot and that he was going to definitely move forward with it. And I guess he did some Googling and found the site and found some pretty pictures of Slavic women and such and was ready to go forward. He he just looked at pretty women. I mean, let, let's be honest here. He, he didn't do any research, didn't see how much it cost to transport them over, didn't see how much it would cost green card issue, kind of still have to talk to these ladies, so I don't know how you're going to be able to do that if you don't have social skills or your anxiety overwhelms you in the presence of women. Um, I would like to, like to point out, as you noticed prior in the story, he is a virgin and he feels intense shame because his Christian values basically make him feel guilty for looking at porn and so he wants to just be able to have sex already but he feels guilty that it's not with someone with love so this guy has a lot of stuff on his mind and doesn't kind of understand that without getting that stuff under control he really was putting himself in a bad spot and I was really dubious about how well this was going to help him or if he really understood what he was kind of trying to develop here because he wasn't exactly in a very uplifting job. He was making about a solid $11 an hour. He was living in his mom's house. Uh, he didn't have that many future prospects going in his favor. You can't take on somebody else and just skip all the steps. I, and it sounds like I'm being critical. It's more like you're going to not only put yourself in a bad spot, but you're also going to put this poor girl in the spot. And so... He went ahead and just did whatever it is that he wanted. So we had a session like two weeks later and he tells me, oh, well, you know, I, I found this Russian uh, website and I've started talking to this girl and it's going great. And I'm like, OK. And so what happens next? He's like, well, the agency says that I need to send over two thousand dollars so that we can kind of move some paperwork forward. And then they'll advise me a month later on how to go about things. I'm like, OK, all right. OK, so first off, you don't have two thousand dollars. So I don't know why this is an ongoing discussion. Secondly, that is super shady. Like he just was basically in a like desperation ploy and these people spotted him easy and were about to take money from him unfortunately 
here's here's the sad part about this. He was going to move forward with it. He was already getting the money ready to wire it off. He got his mother to pay for half of the money. I'm I'm pretty sure he didn't tell her what the money was for, which makes this even more like interesting but i don't find out how this story ends because his insurance lapses like two weeks later i actually did send him an email at some point just to kind of like follow up and check in with him because he didn't want to continue working together and he didn't tell me about what happened with the marriage but he did go to tell me that he was working on himself with some of the skills that we talked about. So here's to hoping that this guy was cognizant enough to prevent himself from getting into a really bad spot. Because again, if, if you remember the stats from earlier, this is something that you see happen more frequently with older people that have money and the younger people that tend to do this end up either falling into a worse spot or just literally can't afford the process to make both parties happy and I will point this out I did work with someone and maybe there's a story for another day and kind of dealing with this topic in particular someone who did actually marry someone from South America in order to get her her green card and promptly got the girl pregnant and he couldn't afford the family and she eventually divorced him because once she had the green card, she didn't need him anymore. And it was a disaster all around for all the parties. And just no one was thinking with the future in mind. They were just thinking about themselves. So things to think about. Now for this last story, first I want you to picture something in your head. You have a medical issue. Let's say that you have an elongated cough and you decide to call up a doctor. You need a new doctor because your previous one is retired and you call a random new doctor's office. The person that picks up the phone is a receptionist. Let's call her Gloria. Gloria runs through all the information that the doctor needs from you, sets up an appointment for you, and Gloria asks you if you want to use insurance. Now, you have two options there, right? You can either tell them the insurance that you have, or you can pay out of pocket. If you have insurance and the doctor takes it, what Gloria proceeds to do is she takes your insurance information, because how else will the doctor's office know what to charge you? Seems right, right? So in that situation, it's a doctor's office, so Gloria is a part of a network, so you implicitly trust that this random person is legitimate and is going to do this for you. Now, get out of this picture and imagine now that you're calling a therapist. Doesn't have a receptionist. The therapist manages their own office. In case you haven't been paying attention, I myself have a practice and I run my own office, which means I set up my own appointments, I look up insurances, I take care of everything myself. I don't hire someone, I don't have anyone doing the grunt work, I just do it myself. And so the thing is, is that when someone calls me and they need to use insurance, I've tried to be understanding about how weird it must be 
to speak to someone that you're looking services from and then they ask for your personal information. I, I get it. It's weird. But I'm a medical professional. So I need your information. I'm not going to use it maliciously. I need your information to call the insurance provider and say, how much are you going to pay me? And then I, in turn, tell you, this is how much they're going to pay me. Here's how much you're going to pay me. Now, I have this podcast. I have a website. I have a LinkedIn. I have everything except for testimonials. So one day, I get an email from a prospective client. And they give me this whole spiel about what's going on with them. And they go on to tell me that they heard my podcast. And they liked the way I talked. And that they were ready to set up an appointment with me. Okay, cool. So I write back to this person. And I ask them for whether or not they're doing self-pay. Or if they want to use insurance. And so they tell me they want to use insurance. So I tell them, all right, well, let me look it up. I need the information. Give me your name, your date of birth, and your member ID. Nothing else. I don't ask for social security. I don't ask for a deposit. I just take the most basic amount of information needed to be able to ask the insurance company, how much money am I getting from this person? And so I get an email from the person, which just, are you for real? The person first says that my tactics are shady, that asking for personal information seems like a very crude thing to do. Okay, first off, that's the wrong word. Uh, it's not crude, it is suspicious, but sure, whatever. All right, I can, I can explain this to this person. I've explained it to several other people before and never a big deal, but then the email continued. The person proceeds to ask for references from old clients because they want to know whether or not I have an idea of what I'm doing. And yo, that's not a thing. That is not something that you could do. I am not going to tell you of the email. I'm not going to give you the email and phone number of Jack, Jill, and John that came to see me over the course of the last three years so that you, random person, can go ahead and call them and say, was there, Cardo's a good therapist for whatever the fuck it was that was going on with you? So this person proceeds to ask for references from former patients, which is also, by the way, unethical on my part and pretty sure that's like a HIPAA violation. Like I, I'm pretty sure that that is the big rule on, on HIPAA, but whatever. Um, but then lastly, besides calling me shady and besides telling me that they wanted references from people I formerly worked with, um, they proceed to antagonize me by saying like they found it strange that I was emailing them directly and not a receptionist. So According to this person, the fact that I didn't have a Gloria, you know, a complete random person to get this person's information and schedule the appointments is wrong of me? And I go on to read the rest of the email and they basically feel that they don't know what I'm about because apparently my my pals cast, my website, everything that is basically showing you how I operate, at least in some capacity, was not only not enough, but also didn't give them a full enough picture. So needless to say, um, whenever this happens, whenever a person just is like, I want more information and then proceeds to either negatively antagonize me or call my practices 
shady. I just kind of immediately tell him, you know what, I'm, I don't think I'm going to be a good fit for you. So here are some people that you might be interested in. And in the case of this person, I purposely gave them offices that had receptionists because apparently this mattered to this person. And they proceed because most times people want the last word. That's the irony in all of this kind of stuff. Instead of just take the L, you just were rude and I called you out on it. They were like, well, I'm sorry that I didn't mean to, I, I didn't mean to offend you. Uh, I just thought that it would be a good idea to ask for references so because this is my life and I should know whether or not you're going to be a good fit for me. But I guess it's understandable that you would find that to be offensive. So I'm sorry about that. And it, it's just the expectations that people have never cease to amaze me. But it always is interesting the new wrinkles by which people just demonstrate themselves in these kind of situations. And so that is some of the are you for real moments I've had in here. And I hope you found it interesting. And keep in mind that once again, therapists are people and we are very good at being non-judgmental, but we also are people who recognize what, what are we doing? Like, who are we fooling? And with that, we're done for today. Thank you for listening. It was a pleasure. If you liked this episode, feel free to like and subscribe to listen to future episodes. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Some Tales From, or you can write to us at Some Tales From the Chair, gmail.com. Stay safe out there, and we'll talk again next week.